I'm wondering if you'd go wandering with me through the wilderness and woods to where the winds are blowing free through the darkness of the night heading toward the morning light I wonder if you'd wander with me Oh hi y'all Welcome to another edition of Wandering Monk Hikes Podcast. Heraclitus said, No man ever steps in the same river twice. For it's not the same river, and he's not the same man. I was excited for this trip, and more than a little anxious. The question that haunted me was, Can I ever go back to the same place again? Two years ago, my brother Rick and I hiked this trail, He wanted the backpack in the western mountains. I asked for suggestions on social media, and the overwhelming recommendation was the Wind River Range. So I began researching, knowing nothing about it. I watched Brian DeLay's video on YouTube, and he spoke of key landmarks such as Big Sandy Lake, Lonesome Lake, Dad's Lake, Jackass Pass, Texas Pass, and the indescribable Cirque of the Towers. Still, I had no idea how to find the trails to these places. No maps were available, so I downloaded the Wyoming portion of the Continental Divide Trail from Guthook, which is now far out. I found where the CDT transited these areas, and then I added waypoints to each landmark that Brian mentioned, and voila, I had a map. So Rick and I used this route in our first visit. Now we wanted to use it again, but hike in the opposite direction for some variety. You've got to understand, the drive to the trailhead is as rugged as the trail itself. Leaving Pinedale, Wyoming, we drove over 50 miles and the pavement ended. The dirt road isn't bad at first, then it becomes rougher and rougher for the final seven miles. It takes at least 30 minutes to dodge the rocks, roots, holes, and obstacles in that final seven miles. Praying that we wouldn't meet another car coming toward us. During our first visit, we were totally alone. We met six people during the entire hike. This time, the trailhead parking area was overflowing with cars. We met over a hundred hikers who were backpacking the area. They were at all levels of physical condition, young and fit to, well, old and fat. We fell somewhere in the middle of the pack. Old, but in reasonable condition, for our age anyway. The area was familiar, but it was very different. So Rick and I donned our backpacks and started north from the trail junction and on to the Continental Divide Trail. This too was different. A major windstorm had blown down scores of cypress trees two years ago. The trail was nearly impassable then. In one section, we had to crawl on our hands and knees for a quarter of a mile or more. Now, the remnants of that damage was still visible, but the maintenance crews had cut and cleared the trail. And now we walked on clear trails, benefactors of their hard work. How many others had walked this path with no idea of the labor that had been demanded to give us these beauties. As we walked, I realized that we were ascending. No longer distracted by the fallen trees, I became conscious of the physical demands of the trail. We were at about 9,000 feet above sea level. The air was thinner than either of us were accustomed to, 
but we had a lot of elevation ahead of us. Eventually, we would ascend through Texas Pass at the 11,500 feet mark, but that was still a day away. The first day was an 11-mile trek that included a small piece of the Continental Divide Trail, the CDT, before turning alongside the Wasake Creek to Shadow Lake. This would be our tent site at the end of day one. Shadow Lake was beautiful. Its pristine waters are so very clear. A feeder stream offered wonderful tasting water for resupply. Tempted to just drink from the flowing stream, I filtered the cold water and prepared for dinner. We were not alone here. There was a group of guys tenting beside us. Good folks, but they talked well into the night. Other hikers swam in the lake, though I don't know how they could take the cold water. Again, the views were familiar, but the trail was very different. More like my experience hiking through the Smoky Mountains last year than the solitude of the winds two years ago. In the night, the rains came, but I don't really remember that at all. I closed my eyes and I was fast asleep. Early the next morning, we packed our gear, ate breakfast, I had my mandatory cup of coffee, and we stepped off on the trail for another day of adventure. The major landmark this day was the intimidating Texas Pass. It was day two. This could be called the tale of two lakes. We left Shadow Lake at daybreak. The trail wasn't bad, but I could feel we were going higher. This was really the day that I had looked forward to returning to again. My favorite place on this trail, really my favorite place on any trail I have ever hiked, was Lonesome Lake. It was this lake where we had pitched our tents at a very close to the base of the Cirque of the Towers. And I remember retrieving our food bags from a tree line, turning around to our tent site, and being stopped by the view before me. The Cirque of the Towers are five mountains, each more than 12,000 feet tall, standing shoulder to shoulder in a semicircle. It's like a glimpse of God's glory itself. Sort of like he's showing off. It made me laugh and cry at the same time. I guess this would be best described as awe. This was why I wanted to return. What would it be like this time? Would I be awed again, or have I been somehow dulled? I was sure that it would be pretty, but would it be breathtaking? Would I be disappointed? Can I go back again? Well, there was a big problem that stood between me and my desire to see this place again, and that problem was called Texas Pass. The last time we'd gone through Jackass Pass first, and that had been a confidence builder. This time, we'd have to make it through the 11,500-foot-tall Texas Pass first. I remembered the descent from the pass's summit. It was steep and covered with loose rock. I'd slipped and fallen hard back then. This time we were going up those slopes. Combining a slow pace and many rest breaks, we made it to the top. Last time it was cold and the wind was blowing hard. This time I braced for the cold by putting on my fleece hoodie. We arrived to a beautiful warm day, and I quickly took off the hoodie and my shirt, standing at the weathered summit sign, 
We took pictures, spoke with several of the others who basked in this accomplishment. We met a group of two families who'd been hiking together for the past eight years. Their children were already accomplished hikers. They were wonderful folks. I've often said that it's the people that make the trail. I enjoy the solitude, but I value good people. One of the moms has a YouTube channel, and I subscribe to enjoy her videos. It's called Kasha Lou. You should check it out, too. And then I just kicked back for a rest before the long climb down the backside of the pass. I can't imagine the old pioneers and explorers climbing up and down these mountains in rawhide clothes and handmade boots. After we rested enough to be able to breathe again, we started downward toward Lonesome Lake. First we had to walk across a broad snow patch. Then the distant sound of thunder reminded us that the weather is unpredictable in the mountains. Sometimes we pick our tent site and sometimes the site picks us. This was one of those times. When we arrived at Lonesome Lake, Rick and I found some level ground near a feeder stream to the lake. We quickly pitched our tents, threw our gear inside, crawled in just as the storm hit. Wind, driving rain, hail, and lightning welcomed us to the end of our second day. It wasn't what I had longed for, but our tents protected us from the elements. Then a couple of hours later, the storm moved on and the sun came out and warmed up the meadow. I crawled out to look around and saw the sight that I dreamed of for the past two years. It wasn't exactly the same. It wasn't the same river. I wasn't the same man. Suddenly I realized that I was asking the wrong question. I wondered if I could ever go back. The better question was, and is, can I still be awed by these views? The cirque stood there as it had stood from creation. The lake acted like a mirror reflecting the trees, mountains, and sky, duplicating the beauty that rose above onto the surface of the water below. It wasn't the same. It was by no means any less mesmerizing. It was beautiful. That night I slept again. Very content, I dreamed, but I can't remember what those dreams were about. I was at peace. The trails fill me with a peaceful healing that I find nowhere else. On the third day, we woke again. Part of me wanted to linger here. Another part wanted to push on towards the next big challenge. Jackass Pass is smaller than Texas Pass. It's a thousand feet shorter at only 10,500 feet. What it lacks in height, Jackass Pass makes up in sheer ruggedness. It's hard. We grind our way to the top. Resting often, I try to catch my breath. The thin air makes this a hard exercise. Eventually, we see the wooden sign at the top of the pass. The sign isn't as weathered as its counterpart on Texas Pass. It's a great place for some photos and to realize the pass is aptly named. Because who else would climb up here? Going down, I tried to follow the rock carns marking the trail through here. Well, I must have geed when I should have hawed, because suddenly the trail ended at the beginning of a huge pile of large granite boulders. 
Rick and I looked for a sign of some path, and I didn't see anything. Soon another hiker, a much younger hiker, came along and walked across the boulders at a level just below our perch. I scrambled down to where he had been, and there were carns. I hadn't seen them before, and the path was there, but it was scary. This was by far the hardest part of the trail. It was on this section that I learned something about myself. I had lost a lot of confidence when I fell in similar boulders in Pennsylvania. Hiking the Pennsylvania section of the Appalachian Trail with Rick, I fell at a place called the Knife's Edge. My face was cut badly, both eyes were blackened, but I quickly healed physically. Now I realized that the greater injury was to my confidence in my balance. In Pennsylvania, I had fallen a few feet. Here, I could have fallen more than 50 feet. So slowly, I picked a path from boulder to boulder, grasping rocks protruding from the mountain face, squeezing around tight corners to connect with another series of boulders. This went on for about a quarter of a mile. We kept boulder hopping all the way down to Big Sandy Lake. It was tiring and hard but this particular section was the worst. Meeting other hikers who were going up as we were going down, I thought it was getting late in the day for them to be doing this. Why did they wait so long to get started? Then there was a group of young ladies who carried climbing ropes and helmets. They were laughing, full of energy and excitement. They would do well. Others appeared less capable. I was concerned for them. Several spoke among themselves before turning back. Both sad for their disappointment and relieved for their safety, we gave some encouraging words and offered alternative trails that they may want to explore. We got to Big Sandy Lake. Now the last time, Rick and I had pitched our tents along the eastern shore of the lake. No one else was in sight. This time, that spot looked like a tent city. We guess that we met over a hundred hikers during this trip. Last time, we had met six. This was a very different experience. I suggested that we hike on past Big Sandy to a less popular Diamond Lake a couple of miles further down the trail. And as we were going, the deep voice of thunder rumbled again. I saw a promising spot just off the trail behind the tree line. We found two flat spots and used it as a stealth tent site. Just as we pitched our tents, the rains came, and we were blessed once again. It was our final night on our return visit, different but as wonderful as my first experience. The final day was a four-mile walk on a fairly good path. There was one final sight that I hoped to find again. During our first visit here, Rick had to go back to his truck after we'd walked a couple of miles from the trailhead and I had waited with our backpacks. It was during that time that there was a specific view that I had recorded through the spruce trees across the Big Sandy Creek up to the mountains in the distance. Not as beautiful as the Cirque of the Towers, but a wonderful reward in its own right, and I wanted to see it again. We walked, and I kept looking over my shoulder, but never seeing the scene that I longed to see we walked along the creek and I saw what I thought may have been the site. It wasn't exact, but it was still beautiful. Something was different. 
but perhaps my memory just didn't have it right. Maybe the trees had grown and altered the view. Whatever, I took my camera and tried to recreate the video before we moved on. Disappointed, I gave up and said to myself, It's okay. I've had a good time. I really had. I've enjoyed this trip. But just then, I turned and there was the spot. The sun was shining brightly through the trees. A couple of young trees stood taller now and altered the view slightly, but this was it. A great conclusion to a great adventure. Now fully satisfied, we walked on toward the trailhead. In the last couple of miles, Rick and I met a couple of rangers riding horses, and each was leading a couple of mules. The lady ranger said that they were going to set up some water quality monitors on a couple of the lakes. Later, we met another ranger who was carrying a cross saw and an axe. I assume he was going to take care of the only blowdown that we had encountered on this entire trip. We thanked them all for caring for this treasured place. I sometimes wish I had known about the many opportunities of the National Park Service, but not really. I am very satisfied with my life, my family, my own military service and ministry, and the opportunity to hike these trails and share these stories. So stay safe, stay healthy, stay on the path, and God bless. And we'll leave the streets in these neighborhoods, head over the river.